Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Good evening. We want to welcome you to another episode of the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe and Buzz Radio Networks. You can hear us on all podcast platforms as well as Buzz 2 106.7 in Central Arkansas. So please like, rate, and review our podcast. And as always, we're coming to you live at the Corey Hyman Studios. I'm your host, Porter Hayes of Sports and Culture Arkansas. And alongside me is Jacob Davis from Arkansas Fight and Saturday Down South. And we're brought to you by Bet Online. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports development, including this year's basketball championship finals, NHL hockey finals, Major League Baseball, and the latest fighting news. Bet online where the game starts. And guys, we have a special guest tonight. We have we brought him back again, Jake Crane of Now Crane and Company, uh, presented to you by the Workman's Travel Center Hotline. And usually. Jake, when, when you, you go on a podcast to talk about your journey and how far you've come, it kind of stops there, and you kind of took a new leap. And, and from getting hacked at SEC Media Days and then having the J-Boys show, and you know some people kind of plateau off, but you decided to uh, go to a new level. You're with the Daily Wire now. So you know, kind of talk about your journey for those who don't know from the beginning and, and, and tell us what you got going on with Crane & Company. Yeah, man. Well, number one, I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, must be about football season yes. from uh, from what I can tell. But, you know, um, number one, I was very fortunate, uh, very blessed to, to be in the situation that I'm in. I uh, played college baseball, a little bit of college football. And uh, when I got done with that, I got into coaching in college football and, and coached nine years, six at the Division One level and was up in Montana coaching when, you know, the quarantine hit and, and COVID hit and they sent us all back home. And I bought a $50 mic and, uh, you know, just started kind of just talking and, and kind of, you know, really using, I guess you could say, my expertise. I mean, when you grow up in a football family, you know, if I grew up in a family full of chefs, I'd probably have a pretty good chef podcast. But, no, uh, I just started doing it out of my uh, back room uh, in a duplex and, and it ended up getting big and, and they moved me to Atlanta. And then we uh, did a deal with Colin Cowherd. Uh, we're in the middle of renegotiating that deal. And then uh, Ben Shapiro reached out to me. Uh, on social media and ended up signing with them you know it's uh in the days of commitments and nil i guess that was our uh you know me flipping my commitment i guess at, at the last second but no it's been great um you know moved up here to nashville uh got engaged in the last you know four months so so it's been a lot but uh very fortunate and yeah we're, we're live every uh weekday two to three central three to four eastern obviously um we do a saturday special as well we're gonna start doing probably a sunday show uh, to recap college football. And we talk everything. And, and my thing is this, you know, we work for the daily wire and obviously the daily wires is, is political um, uh, with Ben Shapiro and now Jordan Peterson and Matt Washington. But we talk about it when it intersects, you know, like the Djokovic stuff and, and the Leah Thomas stuff, but I'm not going out of my way, you know, to, to, to give you something that I think politically, because I feel like when you're watching a sports show, you know, you, you want to talk about sports. And the only time I talk about, you know, politics with Cohen and Blaine uh, are when it intersects and, you know, I, I think we've lost common sense nowadays. So it's amazing, you know, how much of an audience you can build if you just use common sense and you're not afraid to say it. So uh, that's what we've done. Uh, you know, David Cohn, our other co-host, played, you know, quarterback at Michigan for Rich Rod. My brother played out at Western Colorado. And uh, football is our specialty, I would say. But, yeah, man, uh, we, we cover everything from NHL to NBA to college football to the NFL. So I'm really excited 
you know, to take it, you know, on to a new level and, and on a national level. And look, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to take it as far as I can go. So I know if you're good at something, you work hard enough at it and you get opportunities, you take advantage of them. And that's kind of where we're at right now. And how hard was that? You know, you talk about your sports show and when you start tiptoeing into that political slash sports where it kind of intersects, how hard was it to kind of say, all right, I'm going to, tiptoe out, you know, in that water and, and then see kind of how successful, but realize you're a show and, you know, sometimes negative publicity is publicity and you're getting clicks. So was that hard for you to, to kind of go that route? Well, you know, it's funny because you guys know this being in the sports business, especially talking about football in the SEC, you're going to piss somebody off either way. So I was yeah. kind of used to, football, to be honest with you. So, you know, I, t- I tell the guys the Daily Wire, y'all think people get mad about politics, but let's talk about what happens on Saturdays. And yeah. Hold down. Exactly. I'll show you people get real upset. Uh, but, you know, again, I, I think it's anything. I think just being yourself. You know, I've never been intimidated or afraid to say what I think. And and it's not like I'm sitting there like, oh, if you have, if you think this way, then you're an idiot or, or you're not smart or you're a bad person. I'm a firm believer in dissent moves us forward. I mean, if we all agree, this would be the most boring place of all time. And, and the worst thing you can do is get into an echo chamber because how are you ever going to grow? I mean, if you're not able to you know, defend your position or at least have a position. Uh, how are you ever going to grow if you're not listening to other voices and, and other opinions? So, you know, it, it's been amazing. I mean, we've had Herschel Walker on. You know, we obviously talked a ton of football with him. Uh, I try and get, you know, people on when we do go into the politics realm or have to talk about it that played sports. You know, we had Jim Jordan on, who was a national champion wrestler, um, who, who understands it. And, you know, it's amazing. I get a lot more uh, emails back from people on a certain side than I do on the other one, which, I don't, you know, my thing is I'll, I'll interview anybody. You don't matter to me, but I'm a firm believer in everybody's opinion should count. And, and everybody, you know, should have their own opinion. And regardless if I agree or if I disagree, I'm going to tell you what I think. And I think that's what people want. Uh, I think that's what we're missing. Uh, I think we're missing having both sides of an argument. Everybody just, you know, is so dug in on either side that it's either you're evil or you're just flat out wrong. And, and again, you can disagree, but we disagree with such hatred now. It's amazing. And you're never going to get anywhere. That's why we can't ever find solutions because everybody's so upset. But my, my, but my thing, guys, is this. And this is kind of the flavor I wanted to bring to it. I wanted to have a sports show that when people turn into it, they don't feel like they're getting sucker punched, like for their political beliefs or whatever. I, I want I want it to be where it's 90% sports, and if there's 10% where it intersects with politics and I have to talk about it, then I'm going to talk about it. But I've never really done anything to try and get clicks. Like when I'm putting out preseason predictions and doing all these things, I'm not aiming to try and piss everybody off. What I'm aiming to try and do is to tell people exactly what I think, why I think that, which in turn, some people are going to agree with it, some people aren't. But I always enjoy interacting with people that don't because even though I've been in the business, you know, of, of college football and sports my whole life, I still learn stuff every day. So it's it's been a fun journey for me. And, you know, like my dad used to say, man, scared money don't make no money. Yeah. Like that. So, uh, you know, what's, what is your thoughts right now on the current state of the SEC and college football realignment? Where do you think uh, the SEC stands at, at this point? Well, you know, the SEC is going to stand above in, in football for yeah. a long time. I don't see that changing. What what I compared it to on the show the other day, and, you know, we all grew up kind of watching the same product. You know, and I, I think the the difference in college sports and pro sports is that more local feel. It's, it's you know, the, the home the hometown teams aren't just in Philadelphia and, and Los Angeles and Dallas and Boston. You've got Fayetteville. You've got Auburn. You've got Oxford. You've got Eugene. You've got these places where – you kind of feel a little bit more of a connection than you do, in my opinion, uh, if you're not from one of those big cities, uh, to your team. So when I see the SEC and college football in general kind of changing, it's it's the analogy I use is kind of like your mom's lasagna, right? If you grew up and your mom's lasagna was, the, was your favorite food, she made it the same time every time you could always count on it, then all of a sudden you come back from one, uh, college one day and she makes vegan lasagna. Now, it may be a little bit healthier for you, but it's still not mom's lasagna, and it'll never be mom's lasagna. So I do worry that we're losing a little bit of that traditional pageantry of college football, but there are areas where I feel like it's better for the game. Now, from an SEC standpoint, 
the, Greg Sankey is is three steps ahead of everybody else. Uh, he if there's going to be a czar of college football or a commissioner of college football, that's going to be the guy. So I don't really worry about the SEC and the moves they're making. I found it interesting that you guys, Jacob, I believe it was y'all put out some today saying the SEC wanted to stay at 16, which I which I'm a fan of. Which I think we need to have four 16 team uh, power four conferences, as you could say. I would like to expand the playoff to eight, but they're going to expand it to 12. So. You know, in reality, I, I'm not against it. Uh, I don't hate it. Uh, I think the SEC is always going to be in the forefront. You know, I'm very interested to see how this works out with Clemson and Notre Dame and teams like that. But when it comes down to the SEC and positioning, they're going to be at the top of the pole more times than not. Well, when you look at Arkansas and the SEC, you know, they, they when they were in the Southwest Conference, they were kind of forced at hand. They knew that, you know, Texas was going to join the Big 12, and they knew Texas didn't like Arkansas, and they would be – Basically, pretty much, if they didn't join the SEC, they would be an SMU right now or, or a Houston. Somebody always, you know, conference hopping, trying to, you know, find their way into a, in a conference. And I think we see that. Toys. Yeah. <laughs> and I see that what's going to happen with, you know, the Big Ten and the SEC. These teams like Clemson, who would never have thought of coming to the SEC, now they're having to think that because what if you start having these, you know, 18 to 20 team mega conferences – and Clemson either joins, you're with the Joneses, or you're left playing UCF and SMU and whoever every year, and you're not going to be at the big boy table anymore. No, and, and you know, it was interesting. We, we kind of hit that today a little bit. I actually let off the show with it. You know, they came out, Dennis Dodd and them, saying that it's going to cost $500 million for somebody, for an ACC team to leave the conference unless there's some sort of an agreement, which they're not going to reach. I mean, for $500 million to go to the SEC, I'm not doing it. But if I'm Clemson, or I'm Miami, or I'm FSU, I don't want to leave the ACC unless I absolutely have to. The path to the college football playoff is so much easier. I mean, Clemson plays an SEC team. In South Carolina, it's their rival, So that and they've had a lot of success, even though I like what Shane's doing over there. You know, I think they're in a good spot. And you go back to last year, guys, when I look at the ACC and all this movement. If you would have told me that the Pac-12 was probably going to shut down and the Big 12 was going to thrive, I would have put you on the first boat to Shutter Island. But now a year later, you look at it and it's kind of where we're at. So when it comes down to the ACC, I I think the teams like Clemson and Florida State and and all these teams are are in a good spot. And let's think about it, guys. When was the last time that Miami, Florida State, and Virginia Tech and some of these other teams have been down like this? It's just – it's it's crazy all at the same time. And it's all cyclical. So I think the teams in the ACC are in a good spot. If I'm Clemson, I'm not moving. You, you see behind me here. I, I, I don't want to go, you know, it, it's, and it is. And, and you, as a fan, you could sit there and say, oh, well, we, we play our Georgia every year or, or South Carolina. But I think South Carolina going down hurt Clemson because, you know, they're used to actually being competitive game. So you're playing a Texas A&M. They were playing Alabama, LSU. But with the fall of South Carolina on their schedule and then with playing yeah. in the ACC – that's where this decline really started with their schedule being basically a cupcake and pretty much what you see in the SEC East outside of uh, Georgia, if they're good, or Florida, if they're good. Yeah, well, you know, I did shoot out though Tennessee in that mix too right now, to be honest with you. But uh, when I look, here's the difference, and, and this is what I say. People, people have a common misconception. They think when these coaches are talking about the grind of the SEC, it's, oh, no, we have to play Bama once a year. Oh, no, we have to play Georgia. That's not what makes the SEC so dominant. What makes the SEC dominant is you got to play the big dogs, and they're probably going to slap you around the yard a little bit, but then you got to play LSU. Then you got to play Kentucky that's transformed themselves up front. Then you got to go to Fayetteville. Then you got to go to Auburn. I mean, hell, Vanderbilt's the only bye week, really. You There's yep. not a night off in the SEC. If it's, and every environment you go to, I mean, you go to Davis Wade, and play. It's tough as hell. I mean, you go anywhere in the league to play. You got to be on your P's and Q's from the jump. So it's that grind. It's every week having to show up. That's why the SEC is always a battle of attrition. The reason that Alabama and Georgia have had so much success lately isn't just because of the starting 11 on offense and the starting 11 on defense. It's because they got 64 guys that are ready to rock and roll that are legitimate players. And I always say, you know, depth's not just for the Pacific Ocean. The more depth you have, the better you're going to be, and they kill you with depth, especially depth up front. Because as Arkansas fans, y'all know this better than anybody. That game is won and lost at the line of scrimmage. I don't care if it's the NFL. I don't care if it's the XFL, the USFL, college football, some form of football they play on Jupiter or Mars. The game is going to be won and lost up front, and it will always be that way. Yeah, so uh, we were talking, you know, with it being, you know, 
up front, up front battles. What do you think about Arkansas uh, going into this season? We know that they have an offensive line. Obviously, they have Sam Pittman. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think? What do you think about them going this year? Uh, I saw, I think you said nine and three. I think you said yeah. they lost to Auburn earlier this season. Open up. Tell well, us no, no, no. Actually, I, I actually, Jacob, uh, changed that. I, I thought they were going to lose to Auburn okay. about month and a half ago because we didn't put our predictions out we were talking about on the show i was kind of looking at where it fell on the schedule and you know as well as i do how auburn and arkansas is (laughs) but when i look at at auburn's roster i got arkansas finishing second in the west i got them going i got them going five and three in the league i got them losing to alabama uh i'd I'd have to go back and look at it do they play georgia again this year off the top of my head i I don't think they do Uh, i have them going five and three because again you guys know as well as i do it's brutal in the sec and uh, shoot, September 24th and October 1st, that's going to be a hell of a two-week stretch. Uh, you got A&M and then Bama. But I think Arkansas is going to have a heck of a year. I got K.J. Jefferson as a dark horse to make it to New York. Not win it, but make it to New York. When I look at what the Razorbacks have and I look at their makeup, you know, we, we always talk about in football the three pillars, right? Recruiting, development, and culture. Those are the three things. It starts with recruiting, you develop them, and that's what turns into your culture. So – I think Sam Pittman may be the best pit, fit in college football. And I'm not saying that because I'm on an Arkansas show. I've said that since he took the job. Yeah. Uh, I think he's an Arkansas guy for life. Obviously, the fan base has embraced him, and he's embraced them. And it's I look at I look at KJ. I look at the, the coordinators returning, what Barry Odom was able to do with the roster. Speaking of depth, I mean, y'all know better than anybody. Y'all's depth, what he was able to do last year was, you know, straight out of Hogwarts with the depth you guys had on defense. So I think Arkansas is going to be more of a complete team this year. KJ coming back another year under Kendall Bryles. I love the St. John kid at tackle. I love Stromberg, the center. I know pass pro wasn't great last year, but I like what they returned. You get Jaden Hazelwood out of the portal, which I think he's going to blossom this year. Losing Traylon to the Titans was tough. But Kendall knows how to operate that offense. The thing that Arkansas does so well is they can change pace, but they don't change their identity. They're going to run to open up the pass. But in that, in having that, when you have a guy like K.J. Jefferson, that RPO game is a lot more deadly. And K.J.'s a sneaky runner. Uh, I don't think people give him enough credit. His physicality, duh. I mean, he's as big as an oak tree. But he's able to move a lot better laterally than what people think. So it's a tough schedule. But I think Arkansas is going to go 9-3. and three. I think it's going to be a big year for those guys. And I think Sam Pitt and Arkansas, they're going to be a problem for a while, for a while. So uh, I like the Hogs this year. I like them a lot. And I've said for a couple of weeks that, for me, the biggest question mark, you, you brought up Hazelwood, would be that if you want to get, you know, KJ in that conversation to New York, he's going to have to throw for over 3,000 yards. He's going to have to, you know, they've been a run, run heavy. You've got Burks, but you're going to have to have more than one receiver and I think Trey Knox is going to have to step up at tight end you're going to I've said it so many times the three levels you need a deep threat a a slot guy and then a tight end so I think that's going to be the biggest question mark for me how these transfer portal guys are going to be but it does help having KJ so what is your biggest when it comes to offense we know what they got coming back on defense but what is your biggest key or question when it comes to the offense for Arkansas you know, I, I think it's balance. I, I think it's not leaning too much on on either or. When, when KJ's cooking and, and when the offense is cooking and when any offense is cooking, you're you're somewhat yeah. And again, I, I see the thing. I did call Rocket Sanders. <laughs> I said a long time ago, David. You heard it. Anybody named Rocket Sanders is gonna be good. Okay, names really matter. I don't mean to digress, but, but when I look at this balance, and that's what Kendall understands. You know, whether it's the tight end in the seam, you get a lot of cover two in the SEC. Being able to put a tight end in the seam is huge in that one-on-one matchup with a linebacker. But that's where you lean on Kendall Bryles. That's where you lean on that offensive line. That's where you lean on that play-action game, that RPO game, being able to attack defenses on different levels and different times. And one thing I, I do think Kendall does a good job of is pitching backwards a little bit as a play caller. He's really hard to dial up when he has weapons around him because he spaces you. He's almost like a basketball team that goes five out. You never know where it's going to hit you. But something they have to improve on is third down. They, they've got to be able to convert more on third down. I think they were 37% last year, which was better than the previous three years. I think yeah. they were 34%, but it's not good enough the game uh, again offensive coordinators get paid and offensive coaches get paid not in between the 20s they get paid to score in the red zone and get first downs on third downs that's what you get paid to do and when you look at at what kj is able to do how he's able to affect the defense you know as a guy that was a defensive coordinator as, as a guy that was a secondary coach what scares the hell out of me 
is when you're able to move the pocket the way that Kendall and them do, and you're also able to be strong in the run game because I'm going to have to rob Peter to pay Paul at some point, and I hate to do that. So I think balance is huge and then third down efficiency. But again, when you have the offensive line coming back, I think Arkansas is going to be very much improved because, again, that's Sam Sam Pittman. That's his Girl Scout cookies, man. You know, that that's what he knows. So I know he's not the O-line coach, but you know he's in that room. I know he's in that room, and we both know he's in the ear of the O-line coach, and they're working in tandem. Yeah, and you've got Jalen Catalan coming back at yep. safety, too, which he's a heck of a safety. I mean, one of the best in the country. How big is it for him to come back this season? Uh, when, you, when you have a guy like Latavius Breeny coming in from Georgia, you have a, uh, a Nudie McLaughlin coming in from LSU. You've got so many pieces there in that secondary. Do you think Arkansas improves in the secondary kind of what they were last year, or do you think they get better? Yeah, I do. You're getting one of your generals back on the field. You know, you're, you're getting a guy back there that a lot of people look to in that back end to make the call. Bumper's going to handle everything in, in the front seven and, and a little bit outside the box. So when you're able to have guys that, that people respect and guys that can make plays, and what Catalan gives you is he's not just a downhill safety. Now, he'll come knock your head off. I mean, he ain't scared. But Catalan gives you an experience to where he'll always put you in the right position in the back end. And whatever new guys are there, you know what makes it a lot easier for a new guy? When you got a veteran that's a legit dude that's going to show you and say, you know what, follow me, I'll show you the golden brick road, and we'll go to Oz together. So having him, Bumper Pool, uh, up front. Now, you know, I know you're talking about the secondary. Pass rush has to be better. Uh, but yeah. but you know, I think, you, you know, lead and return a guy is three and a half sacks. But, again, I trust in Barry Odom. I trust in the system. They're going to try and put as many DBs out on the field as they can in that 4-2-6 and then mix it up and send a blitz, whether it's a fire zone, something from somewhere, cat fire, whatever. But I, I do think the secondary is going to be improved. And whenever you get a guy like Jalen Catalan as a defensive guy, you can take a little more chances. You can maybe stunt the front a little bit more because you know he can clean it up a little bit. If they get past bumper, then they're going to get to Jordan. And you feel a lot, you feel a lot better about that than having somebody, uh, somebody out there that couldn't tackle a math problem in a second-grade classroom. Well, i tell you what, you know, just everything else going on in Arkansas with the basketball and the baseball, you know, back-to-back nine-win seasons, or if they surpass that and go ten wins, would be astronomical for a place like Arkansas and really bring them up to the top, you know. So it's been so long since Arkansas has even been considered top two or top three in the West, much less the SEC as a whole. So Yeah, well, well, my thing is, too, though, like, I know what Sam, Sam Pimp is telling him. Excuse my language, but screw that, dog. Like, <laughs> forget that. Yeah. Like we're not we're not out here trying to trying to play for second or third place. I, again, what Sam Pittman and guys like Mario Crisp and these other guys bring is, man, I don't care what we were last year. I don't care if Bama's supposed to be good. I don't care how good George is. That field's the same size we're going to play on. We recruit guys like you do. We got guys on scholarship, and we and we ain't damn afraid of nobody. And that's what Sam gets. Arkansas was did not play in a game last year where they were afraid. And when you start building a roster like Sam has built it, it's not about, oh, we look up to Bama, we fear Bama. No, we respect Bama. And I'm talking about we, you know, as, as Arkansas, even though I'm not from their Arkansas <laughs> fan. It, you can respect somebody, but you can also not fear them. And I don't think Sam and that group fears them. Bumper don't fear them. KJ don't fear them. Rocket don't fear them. George, uh, Catalan don't fear them. And I just I feel like that mix and that mindset and that dog in them, that's how you beat those teams because you feel like you not only belong on that field, but you're a little bit of a different breed of person. And I think that's what Sam Pittman, pun intended, is breeding down there in Fayetteville. Definitely. And you look at, you know, the Clemson's rise and LSU's rise and these teams that have come up, they've always had that chip and that dog. And then they finally, you know, they're wearing that underdog cape and they just come out of nowhere. And so you kind of think, could this be Arkansas's, not this year, but, you know, the rise of Arkansas and somewhere down the line, maybe they overtake Alabama or whoever's in front of them win a national championship? Well, look, look, again, the, the game's four quarters long, man. You know, it's – it's and to me, I, I think another thing is staring at Bama and stuff like that, you, you get caught that way. You What makes Bama great, what makes Saban great is – they treat Florida A&M just like Florida. They treat Arkansas State just like Arkansas because it's not about Bama. It's not about Georgia. Every week the goal is how much better can we get at what we're doing. And if we put enough of those weeks together and we get better and better and better and better, then by the time we snap it, we're going to kick your ass because that's what we do. So I, I, I think not putting that pedestal there and saying, oh, well, we got Bama week six. No. First game is the first game. 
Second game is the second game. It's about the Arkansas. It's not about anybody else. And when you find that out and you figure that out, the scheme may change a little bit what you're going against. They may run a little more zone or combo coverage. They may be a little more up-tempo offensively. But your identity never changes. So I think that's the difference in going through. And, again, we go. that's the only way to survive in the SEC, guys. You cannot overlook anybody because the minute you overlook somebody – Auburn last year happens. The minute you overlook somebody, you get snake bit by somebody. So I, I think Sam, Coach Pitt understands that, and I think that's the difference in getting to that next level is realizing it's about yourself, not the other team. Yeah. Man, I, you got me ready for September now, just like Devin and Tally just yep. said. You got me pumped up. I'm ready to go, man. Jake, I appreciate you coming on and joining yes, us. Sir. Uh, let us oh. know where we can uh, get your stuff at, bud. Definitely, man. Well, uh, you know, you can. I appreciate you guys bringing me on. As usual, I'm always down to come on. Uh, I tend to get a little fired up, as you can. Yeah, see. you're it's, good. I'm a red-blooded American male, so <laughs> you know, it tends to hit me a little bit. But uh, you can find us, Crane and Company. We're on YouTube at C R A I N Company. We go live two to three Central, but it stays on there every weekday. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Go check it out. Uh, we have a lot of fun. Um, it's it's kind of like a sports bar atmosphere with with knowledge and entail. That's kind of what how I wanted it. But no, man, I, I'm excited for the year like you guys. And uh, I'm on Twitter, Jake Crane underscore C R A I N. And uh, we have, like I said, we we have a lot of fun. So I appreciate you guys having me on. Yes, sir. I appreciate you. Hey, let's let's hope for a good football season for Auburn and Arkansas at the same time. But until <laughs> they meet, and then then we'll, then all gloves are off, buddy. That's exactly. We'll just take a week off. After yes, that sir. Bye week. <laughs> All right, y'all be good. Yes, sir. See you, Jake. See you. Well, that will do it for Man. segment number one. Jacob, I mean, I'm ready to run through a wall. <laughs> let's go, buddy. Hey, so. hey, Coach Pitt, let's go. Man, you can sign me up. I'm ready to go. <laughs> All right, well, we'll try to regroup after that first segment. And after the break, we will come back and talk some more uh, Arkansas football. We will go in back deeper into the – alignment what that can mean for Arkansas you know with other teams possibly coming in and we'll catch you after the break Shelby Taylor Trucking serves all your timberland needs in south central Arkansas with over 50 years in the industry Shelby Taylor Trucking has established themselves as trustworthy leaders in the industry from planting to harvesting to hauling your timber Shelby Taylor Trucking is ready to serve you Follow them on all social media platforms at Shelby Taylor Trucking. Learn more by visiting their website at staylortrucking.com. That's staylortrucking.com. McCoy Tiger Drug Store of Sheridan, Arkansas, has been the top pharmacy in all of South Central Arkansas since 1895. They were also the 2020 Good Neighbor Pharmacy of the Year. They not only fix you up with your prescription with timely and friendly service, but also an elite gift shop. All your OTC needs, baby and wedding registries, tuxedo rentals, and much more. They're located at 821 North Rock Street in Sheridan. Give them a call today at 870-942-5121. We want to welcome you back to another episode of the Hog Talk Live. And again, we want to thank Jake Crane of Crane & Company for coming on. He came on last year and it was, it was funny that he had just got hacked from his – I mean, they had just got into SEC Media Days and mm -hmm. their, and their uh, what was it, the J-Boy Show account got yeah. hacked. So, I mean, you get your first SEC Media Days and then you get hacked. But he's always a good time and always, you know, I'm tell you what, somebody that us podcasters like us look up to and how he rose up quickly, I mean, through New the ranks. York. But he did it, you know, on his own. He, I mean, he was humble yeah. and he grinded, so – Again, thank you for coming on. But, Jacob, you know, we got a lot to really talk about to unpack what we talked about with with Jake and this whole realignment and just transfers and, you know, things. And it's talking season. Everybody's bringing out their stadium list. And, you know, we reposted some things like that. And there, there's some people who are really high on the Razorback Stadium, but then there's some that just don't think that it's – and I think that's going to come with time. But – my biggest question to you is, I mean, you, we're already thinking about Texas and OU coming in, but what do you think, say, you get Texas and OU come out of the West and then you've got teams like a, a Clemson and Florida State coming out of the East and making this a huge mega conference? I mean, what are your thoughts on that? So, man, it's just a weird thing to think about because you think of when it was just Arkansas and South Carolina joining the league and you thought, oh, man, 12-team league and it was a – it was a different thing because it had never been seen before. You had a championship game. 
at the end of the regular season, before you go into the national championships and bowl season. And, and he thought, okay, that's it. And then the Big 12 has Missouri and Texas A&M, Texas A&M uh, break apart from the Big 12. And, and that was really the beginning of it all because you saw Nebraska go to the Big 10. You saw Colorado go to the uh, Pac-12. And it was just on with the race of their college uh, expansion, their college football expansion. And it was just really, it's really weird to think that, okay, now you have Texas and Oklahoma. When is it going to set in that Texas and Oklahoma are joining the SEC? It really hasn't set in. It was kind of like a caught you off guard deal last year. Obviously, it was to everybody because you weren't expecting it. Uh, when they announced it uh, the first day of uh, SEC media days, it was unintentional from that Texas A&M reporter. So it kind of catches you by surprise. But, man, when you think about the potential of having a Clemson or a Florida State join the league, it just makes the SEC so much stronger, uh, in my opinion. It makes it the premier league in all of college football. And, and you know, you can think about Arkansas have uh, playing, uh, playing a Florida State, which are two kind of similar programs. Or you think about the battle of the Death Valleys between LSU and, and Clemson. I think the the fact that you have these teams potentially joining the conference or maybe even joining the conference would be so cool. And and kind of what you would do on EA Sports, NCAA Football 14, making these super big mega conferences and, and seeing what sticks. And, and it's going to be competitive. Like, I said, like we said last week, it's going to make college football more competitive, at least, at least in the South. Uh, and then you have all the leftovers, like what's going to happen with the teams in the Pac-12. What's going to happen to a team like Oklahoma State or, or Baylor that, that are borderline college football playoff teams? Well, when is it going to end? Where do these teams go? I mean, that's that's another big question. Yeah, and before we go to that, you know, my will answer, you know, David's comment and his question, you know, I, I don't think, you know, what Jake said, no, they're not scared of anybody anymore. No. You know, they've hung with Bama. They, they've beaten A&M. They, the only yeah. team that really got them, and we've said this like, a, a couple of times was the Georgia game. That was the only yeah. game that they just got shell shook. It was over. It was over yeah. before the first. Snap. Exactly. Uh, and then the Auburn game. I mean, Bo Nix just had the game of his life, you know, but they didn't just get stopped. Yeah. Um, but just, but going on to the point of, you know, we keep on talking about, this is my downfall of having a bunch of teams in, you know, we keep on saying we want a true champion. We want the best way to find a true champion, but if you start stacking all these teams, Texas OU, then you've let's just name about ten of them. You got Texas OU, A and M, Alabama, Arkansas, Georgia, LSU, Kentucky, Florida. You know, and then you go, who are you going to bring in? Say if you bring in Eclipse. So how is that going to make it? We're, we're talking about you know Matt and Todd show says competitive balance, but when it comes to how many losses, you're going to have to expand this thing to sixteen teams. Because yeah, if you absolutely. keep this thing at four or eight, it's not going to be a competitive balance because you say Alabama slips up. Say they go on a gauntlet of they got to play A&M, Texas, OU, and somehow they go one and two. Now, they're totally out of the, the, the question of being in the, in the college football playoff. So, therefore, you know, because they, they go all undefeated everything and they're, they're a 10 and two team or whatever. But if you go to a 16 team, that's you're going to have to. If, if you're going to yeah. make these conferences this stacked. But then again, it's like you do have the Big Ten and the SEC. Are you going to guarantee them more spots? Is this going to be a, a – since they have a – it's almost going to be what are the uh, – in, in the election. You know, you're going to have this yeah. state has more votes in this state. And I think that's going to be the, the balance of – how many teams are going to be too many teams? And and that's yeah. where I want to see that go. Or it could become like more like a college basketball thing where, well, is it going to be, a t- is the big 10 or the SEC a two bid league? Like, do you you're just going to have to, yeah. That's what you're going to have to do because, you know, you look at it and you stack these leagues. Yeah. You know, you're going to have like maybe a two or three loss SEC team. That's the champion of the league facing up against maybe a one-loss or two-loss Ohio State team because the Big Ten is going to be, I mean, you have Ohio State and Michigan and USC, and that's it. But then you look at the South, and 
and it's just a juggernaut of teams every single week. And, and you're going to have a three or four loss team make the playoff eventually if you have these super conferences. So they're going to have to schedule it a little bit differently, try to figure out a way to, like like uh, Matt and the Matt and Todd show says, comp- uh, competitive balance, because you, you've got to have like a Vanderbilt or a Kansas to play you know, to patch your wins or, or else you're going to, you know, get left behind as far as uh, as making the playoffs. And, and Devin brings up a great point, and this is where I was going to go with it. You're going to have to almost go like an NFL-type division. You know, yeah. you're going to have your four or five team, and almost like we were talking about the conference, that 3-3-5 three, three, situation. You're going to almost have to go with a, you know, wild card, and you're yeah. going to have to – and if that goes, I mean, I don't, it depends on who, what – but say the Big Ten and the SEC – two major conferences. That's going to be like your AFC and NFC. And you're going to have wild cards and divisions, and it's going to be the same model. And I think we touched on that last week when we were talking about the marketing and making it, you know, making the most money that you can because, like we said, if you think this NIL and these transfer portals and these kids making money, NCAA is going to take advantage of that. They're going to start stacking conferences. They're going to make college football more enjoyable, they're going to take out that big two-week gap of that SEC schedule. It's not going to be Alabama versus Alabama State or Mercer or whoever, Arkansas versus Nickel State. So then again, it's like now we're just starting this rivalry with Arkansas-Missouri. What happens to that? You know, what if Missouri don't? You know, that's a team in the SEC that what happens if they don't stay in the SEC? Or do they start kicking teams out to bring others in? It's, you, we don't know because – We've seen when this news happens, it happens fast. So you, you don't know what's going to become of this whole new SEC. But I'm really looking forward to it because it's going to make football enjoyable all year round. But I think they're going to end up having to expand the season. Because you can't tell me, and this has been my biggest gripe between, you know, the SEC championship game and the college. They get a month off. I mean, yes, you get a month to prepare for the team, but I think that does more bad than it is good because you get a team on a hot streak. Say Arkansas goes on a six-game win streak, finds himself in the college football playoff, and then you give them a month off. They lost all their motivation. So it's, it's going to be nice to say, I think one or two weeks, get your guys healthy two weeks, and then we start. You have your wild card games and then go on. But it's going to be fun to see. Maybe, maybe they could do it like the FCS playoffs. You know, you, you, do, your, you do your 12-game schedule but you knock out maybe the championship games or and, and you start the playoffs early and you just do maybe a regular season champion and then you go on with your your uh, your uh, at large pick and say you go to 8 to six, or eight, or 12 to 16 teams i mean we i don't really know how large is too large because obviously uh, you you look at thinking last year was there really 16 was there 12 to 16 teams that were good enough to go into the playoffs last year I don't think so. There, there certainly wasn't any in the shortened 2020 COVID season. There was probably two teams. You, you think about it. I mean, you don't want to water down a playoff too much to where you know it just becomes a crapshoot because then you take the uh, the special the, the specialness, or if that's even a word, out of college football because you you go from doing the uh, old BCS title game to going to a four team. Maybe eight teams, eight teams are too much, or, or the right amount. Because after anything after eight, I think waters down the product, in my opinion, Porter. Because I think then you just, I mean, you have like last year, you had Alabama, Cincinnati, Michigan, and uh, uh, Georgia in there, and those were yeah. But if you go, if you stack these years. conferences, if you stack these conferences. Yeah. You're not going to have the Cincinnati's. You're not going to have these yeah. teams that go undefeated playing. The, you're not going to have a, a UCF. Right. I just but, something. But go my ahead. Point is though, my point is though, you're, you're going to have a, how many teams are is too many? Even if you do go to college sixteen, realignment. if you're going to go with if you're going to go with that NFL, you know aspect. If you go with the divisions and you have your eight divisions. There you got two teams and then wild cards or what? How are you playing? I think if you if you stack those teams up, and if yeah. they have to give teams say there's other conferences that are eligible for this playoff, you're going to have to give them at least, you know like what they do with the power five. Yeah. They give them, but it depends on how competitive you go with these conferences. Right now, if say the Big Ten and the SEC stay at 16, but yet they're still a Pac-12, a Big 12, ACC. 
then you might want to go to 10, 10 or 12. Right. But if you start you making think, it, go ahead. What do you think about the 10 team? I was going to, I was going to uh, say maybe two, maybe a 10 team playoff. And then you have, uh, you have like a bye week, mm-hmm. maybe a bye. And then, you know, the, the number one seats play the, play the by the, not the by teams, but the, uh, but the teams that were in the very first round that way, I think, I think 10 is where you can stop. Yeah. And, and like I said, it all depends on how yeah. this lays out. Right. I mean, if, if right. it's, if right. it is how it is now and you still got a pac 12, big 12, big 10 sec, and then you still got a ACC, you still got some of these conferences. I mean, then again, if you're going to have all these teams and if say the big 10 and sec are going to demand two each, there's four. So where's the other one's going to come from if you had to do these automatic, right. but I don't know. That's that's one of the things. But I just had something come to me. It's like we're talking about these bowl games. What if you do away with kind of like the bowl game sponsors kind of deal? You start naming these divisions after sponsors. These conferences give them sponsorship. You know, we're talking about the money game, and just if you want to make it more meaningful and do a playoff system, but you could also give a hey, go get Best Buy. Now they're over the SEC. Go get. You know, whoever, you know, Credit Karma, whoever, and put them in the ACC, you know, now they're getting money. These these uh, conferences are getting money basically having a sponsor beside them. Because yeah. that's been yeah. a big thing with the bowl games is losing the sponsors and these people were right. throwing money. That could be a, another way around it. And you've got 42 bowl games. Cut them in half. Yeah. Because, I, mean, I mean, I know you want to give everybody the opportunity to make a bowl game. But, you know, you, I think the thing has gotten to the point where there's too many. So if you do go to a 10 or 12-team playoff, it eliminates, I don't know, maybe four or five games, six games. Well, and you're even getting to the where the – But you're getting to the point now where the only games that matter yeah. is the college football playoff games. Right. You're seeing yeah. the opt-outs, which that's, that's another story that they have every right to do what they do. It, it, but yeah. it's still causing an effect on the college game, whether we like it or not. Whether we yeah. agree with them or don't agree with them, it's still affecting how everything's played. And and because you you look at Penn State Arkansas game last year, if they'd have had all their players, that'd have been a very exciting game to watch. Oh, yeah. But both teams had different. guys. We've seen it in every school, and I can't remember if it was Ohio State even had people opt out their bowl games. There's been people yeah. in the college football playoff opt out of the bowl games. So I think what they're doing is this incentive of making these games matter. NIL keep these kids in school for the year, and then after the you know, regular season or the bowl system's over with, then they can decide they want to you know declare for the draft or or go to another team. But I think the biggest mistake they did was this half year you can transfer out halfway through a yeah. year. I mean that that's the only outlier where I'll be like, okay, we need to do away with that because these guys are getting four weeks plus summer camp in your system. Now they can go to your rival. Tell them exactly what you're doing. Look at like the LSU or the Missouri game, for instance. Somebody can opt out of the Arkansas, go to Missouri, and then they know exactly everything they're running. So, oh, yeah. But, no, it's going to be, you know, how this money and everything, as much as people don't want to say it, it all comes down to money and revenue and, and how the NCAA yeah. before it – because we know it's going away. It, it's a cash grab because once this happens, we don't know how many days the NCAA has got left. No, you're right, because you look around the, the whole country, everybody wants the NCAA to be done with. I mean, it's like Jake said uh, beforehand, Greg Sankey holds the key to this whole thing. They Greg Sankey can say, all right, we're done, and I guarantee you maybe 75% of the whole NCAA Power 5 conferences are going with them. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. It's probably, it's probably already in the works. You, you look at the you, Big you know, Ten. Yeah. I mean, it, the dominoes are falling. Yeah. You know, when, when, when the kids started making money and then, you know, and I've said this, preach this from the beginning. As soon as the NCAA started turning this to a business, the kids deserve money because they're making millions and millions of dollars off these kids. But if you look at the beginnings of the Big Ten and the SEC and they're starting building these conferences, I mean, the, the, the works are there. You, you take the Big Ten and the SEC how it is now in 2025 with UCLA, USC, what they're getting, and then you've got Texas OU and the SEC. They could take those two conferences right there. Be like, hey, we're, we're doing it on our own division. Yeah. 
you know, because, I mean, a national championship, they'll have their own national championship. They'll have their own playoff system, and they can do it. I mean, the SEC runs college football anyway. You're right. And, I mean, when's the last time any meaningful team outside of Clemson, Florida State, um, the SEC, and the Big Ten, when was the last team that really made an impact? None. I mean, I mean, you had Ohio not, State, you had Notre Dame, and Oregon. The and, team made the yeah. playoff. Oregon. It's been a while. Yeah. Oregon. You know. It's been a while. Yeah. But I have, I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, a one loss in a Pac-12 means a lot less than it does a one loss SEC team. Right. I mean, and they yeah. get, they do get punished for that. They do get punished for their their late starts and stuff. You know, like they said, Pac-12 after dark and stuff. So, but then again, you look at when you've stacked up a Michigan State, a Notre Dame, any a Cincinnati against Alabama in that first round. I mean, that's where you're giving Nick Saban a month to prepare for your team. I mean, that's there's. I think there's only been one team that's beat him in the semifinals. You know, and Ohio State. Yeah, and, and that just shows you right there. He's only been beaten one time in the semifinals. So you get a good coach, and we're also seeing some of these coaches leaving. If if this really turns into a crapshoot where everybody like a gold rush and gold mine, are some of these coaches like Dabo going to leave? Is Jimbo, you know, Jimbo and and, and uh, Nick Saban's beef. I mean, is this just frustration because it, everything that's going on? You got the guy that uh, that he was talking about the recruits in the in the or the boosters are out there giving you money and be basically saying when Jimbo tries to deny that they're giving them money and then you got this guy on the field saying that you know you just you never know what's happening behind the yeah. scenes and how much money these kids are really making. The only time I've ever really disagreed with anything Dabo said was when he when he started saying something about if I uh, if I ever saw college football players making money I was going to quit. Look, the cash grab thing, though, I don't know if that was actually a true quote or not. It was. Uh, it was. It was. Yeah. Okay. I, I and, thought and that's right. Here's the deal with me. And what I won't was, back him up. Context? I won't. No, I won't back him up. I mean, there's no context. He said what he said. Yeah. He, he didn't. He just said that, you know, he's an old school guy. That doesn't yeah. make him right. Because no. how can you, when you've made $9 million a year off of the luxury of having a Taj Boyd, Sean Watson and Trevor Lawrence, and you've won two national championships off these teams, those teams got you those $9 million a year contracts. Yeah. So you're going to sit there, you're living in your mansion, and this is any coach. This is Jimbo. Jimbo got his contract at Texas A&M because of Jameis Winston. Exactly you know, you right. look at all these coaches who go one year with these quarterbacks or these running backs and these teams, and they have, look, uh, what was his name at uh, Minnesota now? He he was oh, at Western, Fleck. yeah. PJ Fleck, you know, you have one good year at Western Michigan. You go to these Power Five bowls, and now you're making millions at a at a big Big Ten school. The the, the kids are making you that money. You don't exactly have to go right. grind at a school for five years anymore and get a big Power Five head coaching job. You have a couple of good back to back nine ten win, win years. Now they want to snatch you up. That look how many coaches come from Arkansas State. You know, Hugh Freeze, Gus Miles on, you know. I mean, it was it was crazy. So, for anybody to making that much money to sit there and say, well, if they, if they start making money, I might as well just go coach in the NFL. Well, you, were you, you're still there. You're still in Clemson making $90 million a year. So, and the, the, these guys can talk, but once they get that check every week, they're not saying nothing at all. No, no, no. It, it just made so – it just – it kind of – I thought about it, like when they first announced the NIL stuff. Like, how is Dabo going? How is that going to affect Dabo? Because you know the guy's making the nine million dollars a year, and that's that's what I was saying. Like, how can you be okay with taking such a big chunk of change every single week when, when you know your your kids aren't getting anything at all? I mean, obviously they they probably were. I mean, you don't ever know. But what's what's going on the outside? Hundred dollar handshakes, whatever you know. But it's just. I just don't understand. I know he's old school, but, you know, sometimes you got to adapt. Well, his biggest thing was, and this is what I talked about when Jake was on, and and we talked about that chip. He was riding that chip. He was riding the underdog. You can't play the underdog role when you've won two national championships in three years. So what what is harder, getting that underdog and riding that chip to the top, or once you get to the top, staying there? That's why Alabama's been as dominant as they have. 
and that's why only one team's done it, and that's Alabama. Nobody will ever be able to touch what Alabama's done in the history of college football. You can just you can write that book, seal it up, and put it in a time capsule. And he's been doing it for sixteen years. Yeah. But I, I, I think mean, that's where yeah. Dabo got in trouble was the fact that he 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 played this card. Well, that card ran out. You know, it, it wore out. Now other teams now look. South Carolina's starting out recruiting. He's starting to lose some of his recruits to these other schools. What he used to do now now they still got a good team. I mean, an off year for Clemson was a ten win season. If that tells you how dominant they've been for the past 10, 12 years. They won 10 games last year, and that was an off year. And now you look at Arkansas. I mean, Sam Pittman exactly. wants to win this thing. And, and and he can play the underdog role perfectly because he's got this chip on his shoulder. Mm-hmm. He wants to go. And nobody believed in him. Nobody did when he was hired at Arkansas because Chad Morris and Brett Bielema had, had made Arkansas, left him in a dump. And the only guy that could uh, that would take this job was Sam Pittman, and the guy has a chip on his shoulder. He's an old kind of old school guy that wants to go out there and prove it and prove it the right way. And, and that I think Sam Pittman can be the next type of coach to to have that chip on his shoulder to 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 bring the underdog role in. And I'm not saying it's going to be this year. I'm not going to say it's going to be next year. But Sam Pittman is going to be dang close to making the college football playoffs before it's all said and done. And, and it's not going to be this year. It may not be this year. But he's going to he's going to uh, make his case for being one of the best tires in Razorback history. It, it took Dabo seven years to build what he did. And I have always yeah. compared the two programs, even before Dabo got there, how Clemson football program and Arkansas football program mirrored each other. And you're having similarities of a coach that gets the culture, You've got your offensive-defensive coordinator who are going to be there multiple years now. If you can get all those three to stay together for five to seven years and you keep recruiting, it's going to happen. I mean, it's bound to happen. I mean, you're already playing with Alabama. You're already playing with Texas. You're already playing with A&M and LSU. You know, you're just that one game, you know, the the Georgia game. And then before that, it was the Alabama game. And, you know, it's just all they're needing is the big breakthrough and it can happen, and you get somebody to buy in. If they were able to win with three stars, just think if they start getting squads of five stars, and then on top yep. of the transfer portal, look at how many transfer portal four and five stars they got. That Eight. They know where that's coming. They know what's coming, and they want to be a part of that foundation. And it's easy to believe in because you, you start year one, and you can see the foundation being set by Sam. He, he's, he's an accountable guy. He demands hard work, and he's also he builds his relationships on loyalty. Like I've never seen somebody, and I don't know what Chad Morris was selling because he wasn't here very long. But you hear it uh, from from the players' parents and the recruits' parents that Sam Pittman he doesn't just check just like he just like when Micah Tease. They said, "Well, what made you decide to uh, come to Arkansas?" Well, I mean, Sam Pittman didn't just check on me. The staff came and checked on my mom and daddy, and that's when I realized that's where I want to be. <laughs> Look, Sam Pittman. That, Sam like, Pittman knows he knows to go to the mamas because that's yeah. the ones that are in control of their baby. Exactly. You make exactly. mama happy, you've got a good chance Everybody's of getting a kid. And he's, but he's also he's very sincere about it. This ain't no ploy yeah. or, or or trying to sugarcoat it. He really means he's. A, I've you know met him at a couple of softball games and the basketball game. The dude's a genuine dude. Means yeah. everything. He will talk to anybody that's willing to go up and shake his hand or take a picture with him. You know, he's out going to other games and really out there. You know, he's just a down. He is. You know, he's from right down. You know, just because he grew up in Oklahoma. I mean, Grove, Oklahoma, is not that far from Arkansas. No. You know, he knows Arkansas, and and he gets the. You know, that's why Frank Broyles was so successful. He wasn't from Arkansas, but he got Arkansas. Yeah. You know, and that's what it takes. Eric Musselman. Not from Arkansas, but he knows Arkansas. But he Dave Van Horn, not from Arkansas. You know, he, he was at Nebraska, and then he comes over, and he knows Arkansas. You know, it's just that's what it takes, and it, it takes a special. And I think you look at Hunter Yurchek, the kingpin there at Arkansas. He did. I don't think he knew what he was he getting himself it. into, but he's seen the culture and what it could become. Yeah. And it's just like he had that diamond in the rough, and it was the athletic department. 
he knew what it become, and he just started chipping away and chipping away and shining it. And I'm telling you, Arkansas has another nine ten win season this year. The top is going to blow off for this athletic department. Yeah, and, and you look at it, and like Hunter Yurchick, he's had success everywhere he's been too, mm-hmm. as an athletic director or an associate AD. Yep. Whether well, you saw what he could do at Houston, like he was bringing in big name coaches to come coach for him. You got the basketball program going. You had the football program going with Tom Herman. And then you hired a couple of other uh, a couple of other guys there that were big time up and coming head coaches. So he can see coaching talent and and knows what he's getting. And he demands excellence. He he is a very loyal guy. I liked Hunter from the first time I ever met him. Uh, it was like one of his first months that he was on the on the job here at Arkansas. He's a guy that just gets it, and I love it. And that and that, like you said, that's what needs to happen. And and you really look at it, and I I don't think it's too far fetched to say Arkansas may go nine and three, but man, they've got a heck of a chance to win ten or eleven regular season games because the kids are so bought into a system. It's all about the culture, Porter, and I, I really believe that Arkansas's got something going where they believe in themselves. They don't play for for uh, Sam Pittman like they did Bobby Petrino because they feared Bobby Petrino because all that mattered was winning. He didn't care about your sorry butt. Yeah, and but I think Sam the biggest Pittman, thing with Sam Pittman and, and his coordinators, and I think he had a discussion, and we've said this a couple of times with, you know, Browse went to him about a job. But Sam Pittman's first call was to Barry Odom. I think he told these guys, dude, stick with me. Just just give yeah. me four years or, or X amount. Just, I'm throwing a number out there. Just give me four years. Let's get this thing rolling. And he might ride off in the sunset and let them have the, the program. You don't right. know. Or he could have been with, like, Kendall Browns. Hey, you know, you know, just stick with me for a few years. I know other teams are going to come after you, but you believe in me. Stick with me. I'm going to be gone in five, six years, you, and I'll put a, you know, a word to Hunter that you need to be the head coach. I mean, he's just that junior guy. So you're looking at the – we're talking about the, the dominoes and how these puzzle pieces, what if that's part of it? You know, look how many people has been coming after Odom and Browns just the two years. Every single year. And, and it's going to keep happening. Game. Exactly. And it's going to keep happening. So, And it was a thing that we thought that Browse was going to Miami. We, we thought it was a done deal. Yeah. You know, we, we thought it was gone. You know, we thought maybe Odom was going to LSU. You know, so for them to stick by Sam Pittman shows one that he's a legit dude. And also, he's probably told and not promised them something shady, but he's probably promised them, look, you build me this program, and I'm going to give you the program. Yeah. And, and, you know, money talks. I mean, and, and, and they every single time that Barry Odom and, and Kendall Browse has been approached, Jeff – I mean, not Jeff. I'm sorry. Hunter has – oh, man, I tell you. I, it's because it's I just saw uh, yeah. De- Devin's uh, uh, comment about Jeff Long. Hunter's always – he's always given them what they wanted or what they needed. And, and Hunter told and, – and, and Sam Pittman, what he wanted, Hunter gave him. Okay, I need to keep my assistants. I need to have this budget. I need to have this recruiting budget. I need to have this coaching assistant budget. And he's gone out there, and he's got what he needs. And you look at this recruiting, and you, you see the continuity of the staff. And it, and it goes and transcends into recruiting. And, and you look at the bottom. And I said something about it on Twitter. You look at the bottom of these classes now, and that was the that was basically – about the middle of what you would see in some of Bielema's and, and Petrino's recruiting classes. These 86, 87 guys, that's the floor. Like these mid three, high three stars, that's your floor as far right now as, as recruiting goes. And, and then you're getting these upper level four stars. He's building it, and these these higher rated guys are believing in him. And 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 it's like like you said earlier, once recruits start coming in, and they're buying into this system. Arkansas, I mean, the sky's the limit for this program. I've always thought that because, I mean, I know I'm an Arkansas guy. Some people call me a sunshine pumper, but I try to be a realist. I always thought Arkansas could be a place where a coach could could come in and win a national championship. Bobby Petrino showed it. Brett Bielema was right, uh, knocking on the door uh, of, of an incredible season, and then Toledo happened. Um, Houston and, and Nutt was close. Houston Nutt, Houston Nutt was dang close twice. 98. Twice. 
that oh six, yeah, that '98 season, and I saw that freaking video yep. on on that a Tennessee mm. fan shared earlier, and I said, "Oh my gosh, why did you have to share yep. that?" But you know, and then oh six season, and and it was a Reggie Fish muff punt, and whether Arkansas had got to the national championship that game or not, because LSU lost the, the weekend before that. Man, Arkansas has been close on many occasions throughout the last twenty years, and Sam Pittman may be the guy that gets them there. Because it's consistently consistency is key, and he's got the continuity with the staff. If he can keep them together, I think Arkansas can hit all kinds of new levels of success that hasn't been seen here before since the seventies and eighties with with Lou Holtz, uh, with Broyles, and uh, uh, Ken Hatfield. Yeah, and with you know Nick Saban can't just walk into a kid's room anymore and be like, "Hey, I got all these national championships." Right. They don't. I mean, yeah, you might get him for a year, and then guess what? He's going to go somewhere else and and go to another school. This world, this is all playing in Sam Pittman's hands. You get these kids, these portal kids, these kids out of high school, and you get these guys to believe in your system. You're you're building the perfect recipe for a national championship. Whether it happens, it does, it doesn't. But he's building a recipe. He's got his family intact. Now he's going to go get his kids, and, and that's what really excites me. But this is going to be a telltale year on how, you know, we got to see progress. We've said it. You can't go back to a six, seven win team anymore. You can win right. eight. I, I, I give him eight because this is a tough schedule. I say nine, but I could, it, like, if he went on eight and four this year, I would say that's an okay season. Like, I can deal with that. But if you start, you slip back and you go to a six win where you're barely making a, a bowl game, where, where do we get, you know, you can't slide back like Especially right. when you're on a high log, you're and you're recruiting on the level that you are. You, you gotta keep it a nine, eight, nine win season. Ten would be great, but we know that they're having the toughest conference or toughest schedule, and it's not going to get any easier. They still got to play Notre Dame. Then they got Texas Snow U coming in. Then you don't know who else you're going to be playing. So it's only up from here. So we hope that they can hang with it and, and really. Man, I'm, I'm just saying, like, it doesn't matter what happens. If you get a national championship in football, the fan base will be happy for the rest of their lives because oh, yeah. they have been hungry. They've been, like you said, they've been close. You give this team a national championship. I know what it's like. I never thought I would experience a national championship in my lifetime. And they won in 16 and 18, but nothing will ever be as sweet as that one in 16 when they beat Alabama – Deshaun Watson <clears throat> to Hunter Ripro, still one of the most exciting moments I've ever witnessed as a sports fan. So, I mean, if it can happen there, it can happen here. Yeah. And and, it's, and I know we're getting close. We need to wrap it up. But, man, I, I just – there's just something inside of me. I, I really like this team. And I'm not trying to let – I'm not trying to build all these fans up and get them to drink the juice. Like, I'm, I'm not trying to do that. I'm just sharing with you the excitement that I have for this team because I feel like this team is the closest they've been in a long time. And it's because I follow them, it, because I cover this this program, and, and I see how close they are. And and I I mean, I'm as heartbroken as – I mean, I may not be as heartbroken as, as the players are, but I'm, I promise you to the fans, I'm just as heartbroken as you are after a loss. Yeah. Like, it's hard to write, but I'm just telling you, like, it's okay to be excited about this season coming up. It is okay to put your emotions into this because this may be it. And if it's not, it's okay because you have the future coming soon. But I promise you, put your emotions. Just forget about the Bielema years, those close losses. Forget about 2-10 and 10 under Chad Morris. I feel like the days of when, when Bobby Petrino coached and Houston Nutt was here, and you were, and it's not that far long ago. I feel like you can put your emotions and, and ride, just like we, just like the end of the season with the baseball team, where we lived and died by each pitch. We're going to be able to live and die by each stride of the beautiful running of KJ, Rocket Sanders, Dominique Johnson, running up and down the field on every team this season. I feel like you can. Yeah, in like so many sports we've seen, in so many sports we've seen guys come back. Come back to yeah. win a championship. Come back to win a championship, and I think it's finally going to hit. You know, and, and one of these, you know, one of these years, because you look, KJ, this is it. This is going to be his final year. Yeah. We we know it. So if if it's going to happen, it's like we put so much emphasis in that baseball team. 
you know, we just all the talent that they, we thought they had. And it, last year, it was going to be the year. You know, they had all this talent. They were the number one team. It didn't pan out. You know, this year, a, a lesser talented team ended up going to the College World Series. Yes. You know, but Robert Moore come back. You know, you had all these guys coming back. So it's, it's going to be very exciting to see if, if K.J. Jefferson – Finds those two receivers. I'm tell that's going to be the biggest key to this yeah. team. We know what he's got. If he can find those guys, this is going to be a dangerous team because they're going to have to be dangerous because they're not they're not sneaking up on anybody anymore. No. They respect you now, so anymore. now it's going to be harder than ever. It's going to get harder and harder the the more you know more years we go down the road. Yeah, and it's going to be fun to watch. I'm telling you, yeah, put your emotions onto this team. Let it just ride it. Just ride the wave, guys. Just ride the wave. Porter, I'm gonna let you I'm gonna let you close it up. I don't think I have anything <laughs> left to say. I put my emotions out in the last three minutes. Yeah, I'm, that, that's I'm, what it's all what, about. What that's what it's yeah. all about. And you know, keep the comments coming. Leave us some questions, some topics we can bring up for next week's show. We're gonna be coming back every week here live, you know, presented to you by Bet Online and Ar- and Arkansas Brewing Company out of Ozark, Arkansas. So uh, for you know, episode great episode. We want to thank again Jake Crane of coming on, but we love all the interaction. We've I think this is the most interaction we've had with our our, our listeners of any podcast. So you know, keep them coming. We appreciate it. We try to get to each and every one of them. I missed one about a baseball player last week, and I do apologize for that. But that will do it for Jacob Davis, myself, Porter Hayes. We will catch you next week. Go Hogs. <laughs>